Now, I know I look um, quite young. Normally, people will ask me things like, are you old enough to be a priest, etc.? But I want to let you know that I am quite old. I am so old that I remember before we had GPSs in cars. Now, maybe you will relate with me in this story, or maybe you will relate to my mother in this story. But either way, picture it. 1995, you're going on a road trip. What do you do? You pull out that giant yardstick of a map book that your mother keeps in the car all the time. Yep, I see one head shaking. Thank God I'm not the only one that did this. You mapped out where you were going, right? And you wrote it all down. You took many hours, maybe like 20 minutes, to determine which route was really gonna get you there the best, the fastest, the least amount of traffic, hitting all those road stop places you wanna see along the way, like the world's ball, largest ball of twine? Yeah. And then you get 30 minutes into your road trip and you space out on the highway and you completely miss your exit and all that work you did is nil. Because it doesn't matter anymore, all your directions are gone. They're wrong. You don't have a phone in your pocket that is a beautiful combo GPS and government tracking device. You didn't have that yet. It was only 1995. But wouldn't it be cool if you did have one? But, but more so than what it does in the GPS functioning, like we all get it, turn left, turn right, drive into this lake. Like we get that the GPS knows what's going on. Unless, of course, you are still my mother and she thinks she is smarter than the GPS at every turn. I don't like that direction. We're gonna go straight. The bypass, why would we take that? Anyway, but wouldn't it be cool if you had a GPS that routed you and let you know what the Lord's plan was for you? Like it would tell you, turn left at the homeless person. Do a corporal work of mercy to your right. You know what I mean? Like it would just let you know, you are not on the route anymore. Rerouting, rerouting, you're really in sin. Come on, get to confession. Rerouting again. Like wouldn't that be nice? It would be great. I would like it. Well, the people of Israel had that exact thing. They had a GPS that was attuned to the Lord's will for them, and it led them for 40 years. If you remember the people in the desert, the people of Israel, right? They've been led out of slavery from Egypt, and now they're in the desert. Now, a, a little note, it should not take you 40 years to leave Egypt and get to the promised land. Do you know how long it should take if you actually use your GPS? About two weeks walking. So, <laughs> maybe the people of Israel should have listened better because they were out there for 40 years. But what did they have? They had the Shekinah. What is that? It's a cool sounding word, right? Sounds Hawaiian, the Shekinah, bro. Yeah, no, but it was a Jewish word, Hebrew word, and it means the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord led them through the desert. And how did it do this? It did so by being a pillar of cloud, a giant cylindrical cloud in the sky that would move in front of them. But you can't see that at night. So the Lord was nice enough to leave his children a, light, a nightlight. It would turn into a pillar of fire at night and lead them in the desert. When it would stop, they would stop. When it would go, they would go. When it would turn right, they would turn right. It kept turning right and it led them around in a circle for 40, desert, or 40 years. But they had a GPS that let them know exactly what the Lord wanted them to do. Does he want you to stop? Well, the pillar of cloud has stopped. Does he want you to go in the middle of the night quickly? The pillar of fire is moving. You better be with it. It was beautiful. They always knew the Lord's will. And now we come to this feast, the feast of the Epiphany. We talk about the wise men, right? The kings, those 
Three people from Orient are bearing gifts. They're traveling far. I mean, it's like they wrote a song about it, right? We're focusing on the three kings today. It's the Feast of the Epiphany. But what does that mean? It means manifestation. It's from a Greek word, epiphania. means manifestation. Well, what does it matter that Jesus was manifest to the three kings? Because first, he was manifest to his parents. Second, he was manifest to the shepherds. Later, weeks later, he's manifest to the shepherds. Why does it matter? Well, I'm glad you asked, and thank you for coming to my TED Talk, because I will tell you. He was first revealed to the shepherds, because those were Jewish shepherds. So on the night of his birth, the Lord let the people of Israel know, your light has come, Jerusalem. The incarnation has happened. The God, the Messiah that you have been waiting for is here. He was revealed first to the Jewish people, his chosen people. Second, he is revealed to the Magi. He is manifest to them because they represent the Gentiles. The three kings are not Jews, do not be mistaken. They are not followers of the Messiah. They are not waiting for a savior king of the Jewish religion. They are astrologers. Now, would we condemn them any other day of the year for their pagan occult practice? Sure we would. Do we use it for our benefit today? Absolutely. Yes, because their following of a star in a pagan occult practice led them to the truth, led them to the Savior. Now, this is not to say you can follow a practice that is other than Catholicism and get to the Savior. That is not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that the Lord used whatever they were doing and still was able to, as we say, draw straight with crooked lines, right? They weren't following the Messiah, but they still found him. They were following a star, their GPS. They didn't know where they were going. They didn't know where they would find him. They didn't know what they were going to go see. They knew that there was a star, and this star was representative of a great king being born on the earth. And so they followed. They had a holy GPS. And we, too, have a GPS leading us to the Father. This GPS, this holy thing letting us know the will of the Lord for us, it's not a pillar of fire, it's not a pillar of cloud, it's not a star that we see in the, in the sky. Because all of those things are intangible. I cannot go touch a cloud. I, well, I can touch fire, but it's not going to go well for me. And I certainly cannot touch a star. Go back to the touching fire thing. But what I can touch are the sacraments. What I can consume is the Eucharist. What I can feel is the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life telling me when I am doing wrong and exhorting me to get back on the path. So, a quick note on the gifts that we always give or that the, uh, the, are ascribed to the wise men. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? Like we've talked about gold, frankincense, and myrrh even in the readings, you just didn't know about it. The first reading, it talks about rise up in splendor, Jerusalem. The glory of the Lord is upon you. Again, the glory of the Lord was the pillar of cloud, pillar of fire that led the Israelites through the desert. So when the prophecy is saying, rise up, Jerusalem, get awake, your Savior is here. The glory of the Lord is upon you. It's not saying that the pillar of fire has returned. It's saying that now... The Lord is made manifest in the incarnation. He has come as the Savior of the world, the God-man made manifest, so that we no longer have to trust in a pillar of cloud, something that is mere vapor, but we can trust in a person, but more than a person, a God. And each one of us has had to examine that claim that Jesus Christ has made. He is either absolutely full of it 
And in the words of Flannery O'Connor, if it's false, if it's fake, then to hell with it all. But each one of us has had to examine that claim that Jesus makes, that he is not only sent by God, but that he is God. And if each one of us here has examined that claim and knows that it is true, then we have to live a certain way, a way that recognizes the glory of the Lord is upon us. Now, going back to the gifts, I know I touched on it and then I forgot to make a point, but going back to the gifts that the Magi brought, gold, frankincense, myrrh. In the first reading, the prophecy speaks that kings from far away will bring to the Messiah gold and frankincense. Like it is prophesied thousands of years before the birth of Jesus that they will bring him these gifts. And what do we ascribe in the scriptures, in the gospel? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh are brought. Now, why are those important? Well, for three reasons. First, gold is what you give to a king. Second, uh, frankincense is what you burn on the altar to a god. And lastly, myrrh. Myrrh is what you use to anoint dead bodies. So this in and of itself, this gift is a prophecy that the Lord will suffer and die and his body will be anointed. Now when they go to the tomb to roll away the stone, right, to anoint his body, myrrh is what they brought. So the gold, frankincense, and myrrh are all telling that this is the savior of the world. Again, the Lord is choosing to use these wise men, these Gentile folk, these non-Jewish people to show that he has brought salvation to the entire world and that we no longer need to live in fear or darkness, but that the savior has actually come. So today we finish the octave of Christmas. And as I said at the beginning, for the last eight days, eight liturgical days, we have celebrated the one, one day of Christmas. It is not eight days of Christmas. It is one day of Christmas that makes up the octave of Christmas. Now, you're going to be very confused when I tell you there are 12 days of Christmas, which you always remember from the song. Yes, that is the Christmas season. So we have the Advent season, the Christmas season, the Lent season, the Easter season, the Holy Week season, the Ordinary Time season. All of these seasons are seasons of the church. So the season of Christmas lasts 12 days after Christmas. That is what we are still going to continue. The octave of Christmas, the celebration of one magnificent, magnanimous day, that ends at the end of this Mass. Or when the last Mass of Epiphany is offered in the world. But we come to the end of this liturgical eight-day celebration, the octave of Christmas, the day that Christ was revealed to the nations. And we know that he has always led his people throughout all of salvation history. First, by leading the people of Israel with the, through the desert with a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. Second, by leading the wise men to the truth by following a star. And lastly, as I have said, we have the sacraments to always guide us on so that we may know the Lord's will and to do it. As we close out Christmas and we start a new year, may this year continue as it has started with the people of God showing up in his church to give praise and thanks to God for all that he has done. Merry Christmas.